Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, Night of the Living Nintendo. It's spooky to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, joined as always by my co-host Mark Mitchell. How's it going, Mark? It's going pretty good. Are you? Do you buy candy for trick or treaters? No, I uh, I've lived in LA for like I guess close to five years now, maybe a little over five years, and I've never had a single trick or treater. I saw trick or treaters last year, but none actually came up to to our door all oh, right because you bought candy in anticipation of them right and then i ate that candy <laughs> waiting well, for trick-or-treaters they'll be coming a lot well some of them maybe not a lot of them will be coming this weekend right because parents don't want to take their small children out on a tuesday night but they want to take their children out on a like saturday night to do it look I, this is uh, this is a theory that i posed last year and everyone that i said that to was like you're insane kids go out on halloween so I don't know. I know that there is uh, out on Glendale Boulevard, the um, businesses over there do a trick-or-treat on the Boulevard um, on Saturday, like late afternoon. So I know that'll happen on Saturday, but I, you have to imagine that there'll be actual trick-or-treating on, the, on Halloween proper. On but Halloween if, proper. if I was a parent... I, and I took my kids to the Boulevard. Boulevard. To trick-or-treat in a safe, controlled environment, and then I wanted to let them trick-or-treat, you know, like on a residential street or something. I would do that on Saturday. I wouldn't also do it on Tuesday. That is insane to me. But, I mean, you're assuming that people are going to be ready for Saturday afternoon trick-or-treaters? I don't live on a boulevard. I live on an avenue, and there's (laughs) nothing scary about that. I mean, that's a good point. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Let's get into our main topic here, Mark. And that topic is zombies in video games. Right. Um, so, obviously, this is a Nintendo podcast. We are going to talk about Nintendo games that have uh, zombies in them. But just sort of generally, Mark, like, how do you feel about zombies in games? There was a little bit where zombies were everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like they were in every game. I guess... It feels like that has kind of died down a little bit. Yeah. But I was into it. I was into Left 4 Dead. I was mm-hmm. in for in you know for like Resident Evil Five. I was, um, like uh when Dead Rising was good. Oh yeah, that first Dead Rising. Man, that game's great. I uh, the original Resident Evil was like a little bit of like a watershed moment for me, where I was like, oh, I this is so cool, and like this is what. I don't know, it seemed like scary in a way that like other movies hadn't been and that like uh, in a way that um other games had never been. Um like for me it was just very exciting to like play and discover the original Resident Evil on PlayStation. Um and I remember being so excited when Resident Evil 2 came out. Um it came out on the same day that my family and I were like going up north for like a, a vacation. It was like a we had a um we have a, a cabin in northern Wisconsin 
where it's not a cabin. It's, it's a weird little condo thing. It doesn't matter. Um, but we were heading up there and the game came out the same day. And I was like, we have to stop at KB Toy Works first so I can, so I can get this game. And then instead of like going outside and playing and stuff, I just played Resident Evil 2 all weekend. Um, those games are so cool and so such like a part of what I like identify with like my like maturation of a video game player. What do you think it is about zombie games versus other horror games like Silent Hill or mm-hmm. um those like Condemned I think was one of them or Siren or any of those more like I guess supernatural a lot of times more like graphically violent or yeah. just graphic in general games like those never appealed to me the same way that a Resident Evil or any of these other zombie games did. I don't know if that's something that you've experienced as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's there's an element of uh, camp associated with zombies that, like, even when it's being as straight-faced as humanly possible, it's still, like, overly gory and overly campy, right? So, like, and, you know, we were talking in the uh, in our Tuesday episode about uh, Barry Burton, uh, the actor who plays Barry in the first game, uh, just delivering, like, the hammiest possible readings of his lines. Um, And that feels more at home in zombie fiction, for whatever reason, than, like, other kinds of horror genre stuff. I also feel like just subconsciously, somewhere in my brain, I feel feel more in control with a zombie outbreak than you would. Well, okay, because, yes, the dead are coming back to life. That's bad news. That's never good news. Right. But... You feel a little more control of your, in in theory anyways, I imagine that you would feel a little more control of your environment and life than if you were in like a psychotic nightmare like Silent Hill. Yeah, that's interesting. Like you have a, you have a shot at survival. Yeah, and you have like a base reality yeah. that you don't really have in some of these other games. Yeah, I think um, that's right. I or think if you were in the world of those other games. Yeah, and I, I think there's something to the sort of like, Right, zombie fiction almost feels uh like people have a fantasy of participating in it. Like there's the like zombie survival guide or zombie apocalypse survival guide or whatever it's called that at the Max Brooks book. Um, but I I feel like I went through a phase where I was like, okay, what in in the event of a zombie apocalypse, what do I do in order to survive? So there's something about it that feels participatory, right? That you want to engage in it actively, and a video game allows you to do that in a way that like. Night of the Living Dead doesn't do, or Dawn of the Dead um, doesn't actually do. Um, so I think that's why I like zombies specifically in games. Um, but I guess more generally, I don't really know what it is about zombies that, that get me. Well, I, I think there is something to what you're saying about the camp factor mm-hmm. that's kind of inherent in a lot of zombie uh, media. And we're going to be talking about three different games from three different Nintendo platforms that kind of run the gamut from yeah. you know like tonally th- speaking tonally speaking from very campy and to kind of like uh camp that it, it like takes itself seriously but is also over the top at the same time right to what i would say is just like dead serious <laughs> yeah like dead serious <laughs> we it, it, yeah yeah so i mean may- maybe that's also it too that like a zombie uh a zombie game can be tonally any of those things right and even like switch as it's going you know something like dead rising which is not something that we're going to be talking about in greater detail later um that like there are moments of dead rising that are very like 
heavy and feel like you know tough and you know that's all basically all of the endings to that game are uh everyone dies right <clears throat> but then there are also moments where you're like fighting a, a clown who's juggling chainsaws you know it's like okay so it's also silly well and with something like resident evil which we will be talking about a little bit later you were talking about the cheesy kind of like over the top dialogue mm-hmm. and uh you're we're very forgiving of that in a game like resident evil or like a zombie game where kind of that like winking attitude is, or and, and overacting is fine and acceptable and part of the fun yeah. versus if that was the experience if that was the performance in the silent hill game it would be very poorly received. Right. It would take you out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, we're, we're talking about a couple games. None of them are developed by Nintendo. Um, we don't really see zombies in Nintendo developed games, right? You see some undead type things. Yeah. We were trying to come up with a list, right? And like, do you count those like weird undead things that freeze you in Ocarina of Time? Right. I guess. I guess. I mean, are they undead or what are they? Yeah. Or I, I think the na- I think they're called re-dead is what they're called. So it was like dead. <laughs> like refried then, beans? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. It's, it's a twice, twice dead. It's a twice dead zombie. <laughs> Um, but so we are going to start our conversation with the 1993 Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Zombies Ate My Neighbors uh, came out on the Super NES, right? Um, was developed by LucasArts and published by Konami. Um, I didn't have much experience with this game as a kid, um, but we did pick up a copy, uh, a, a Super Nintendo cart, so we could play around with it a little bit um, here to talk about it on this show. It's a weird game, right? Yeah, it is a weird game. It feels like an arcade game. Absolutely. But we looked it up, and I don't think ever appeared in arcades. Uh-uh. Um, it is like a, a top-down um, shooter, a little bit in the vein of like Smash TV. Um, where everything is like very level based, um, and so you're put on a map with, um, it starts with zombies, um, and uh, just random people around the town that you're rescuing. Yeah, like cheerleaders. There's mm-hmm. a guy grilling. It's all very tongue in cheek. Like the whole aesthetic yes. is kind of uh, ripped from the 1950s horror, like early 3D movies, mm-hmm. drive-in, like that whole aesthetic. Yeah. is what it's aiming for. And and like it obviously hits it square on the nose with the title Zombies Ate My Neighbors, right? Um and it doesn't take long for the the game to move beyond zombies. By like the third level, you're being chased around like a hedge maze by dudes with chainsaws, like they're very clearly um like Mike Myersy, right? Um and just a little bit later in the game you're like fighting like mummies and um like aliens and UFOs and stuff. So like it's it's running the the gamut of like all of that sort of fifties like schlock horror stuff. Yeah. So it there it's a co op game. Yes. Which is a borderline competitive. Yeah. Yeah. There is a competitive element. There's like a score run element mm-hmm. a little bit, which again kind of feeds into that arcadey mentality. The other aspect of it that I feel like is very arcadey is there doesn't really feel like a lot of progression from love one level to the next. It feels, you know, like in arcade games when, you know, like Pac-Man or something where mm-hmm. the basic mechanics are the same, but 
the maze is a little more difficult or the enemies are a little faster. But that's like the only variation. I mean, I, I think where there is progression, if you would want to call it that, is that it's got a little bit of that like Gradius style progression where like you're collecting uh, new weapons as you or like uh, Contra kind of where you're collecting new weapons as you go. And then it's not like, you know, everything is limited use, right? You only have a certain number of bullets. You have a certain number of like soda can grenades or whatever. Um, and if you are you know, being stingy with your use of them early in the game, you have more as you get later. If you are wasteful with your bullets in the beginning, you don't have a lot as you get later in the game. Um, so, like, it does feel like there's a progression to it, but, like, there's a password save system to it, so you can, like, get back to another level, but it doesn't, you know, carry all of your, like, new info forward. Which is so weird for a SNES game, in my mind, to have a password save. To have a save. password system, yeah. Uh, the other yeah, thing- really weird. Like, why not just give you like a level select? If I mean, that's this is 1993. Yeah, 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 and it's a Super Nintendo game. You don't need passwords. Like, you would give me a save feature. I guess the other thing to me that made it feel really arcadey is that the mechanics are the same in each level. Yes, you know, like it mm-hmm. really is. Like, yeah, you you get new weapons, but it, it really is just like the kind of the same you go you do the same thing every time using uh the same mechanics there's no it doesn't feel like there's a lot of like growth well it so it doesn't seem like there's a lot of growth necessarily but i do i i appreciate that you know because it is very arcadey that um you can have a very different approach to the first map every time you play it right like or um to to go back to those chainsaw wielding guys that they will cut their way through the maze and they like physically change the map as you're playing it right um and so you know sometimes you have to like get them to charge you and like cut a hole so you can like access a baby or whatever um to get the points for it um and there are you know there's like a potion that you can drink to, that turns you into a monster and then there are some walls that you can punch through. So, like, each map, while not being, like, uh, you know, not having, like, a real sense of, like, progression from one to the next, that each one can have... You can have a different experience of it depending on how you're playing it. And I feel like because they had those elements, like, when the ch- chainsaw-wielding guys cut through the bushes, it took me by surprise a little bit. Yeah. Because it... Even though presentationally, I think the graphics are really beautiful. Yeah. Like the sprites are nice and big and it and has awesomely like, stylized. Yeah, like it's yeah. uh very well made, but it because it in a lot of ways felt like an uh video game from an earlier era when they when there were those dynamic changes, like, oh my gosh, this guy just cut through the bushes and it persisted and now it changed the path. It it took me it took me by surprise. I wasn't expecting Yeah, it felt that like, it felt like, like a little game. bit of a newer yeah. kind of mechanic. I so, you know, like we said there's like a co-op slash competitive element. It's um just two player both on the same screen, um, no split screen or whatever here. But that that makes it kind of tough. Like there were times when Mark and I were uh playing where like I would be pulling the screen in one direction, he'd try to pull it the other, and then it's just like we get stuck. You're a little stuck. Yeah. Um yeah, especially because the resolution for a Super Nintendo game is fairly small and the sprites were are very big. Yeah. But there's not your like area your what what am I like area of view? Your Yeah, 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 sure. Area whatever. We're coining the phrase right now. Your area <laughs> of view. <laughs> AOV um is pretty is fairly limited. Yeah. And so there are were a lot of moments and it's pretty frantic. It's like a frantic game. 
even then I was surprised at how well the co-op mechanic worked. Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to see it... Uh, I would like to... I'm going to give notes on a 24-year-old <laughs> game. Um, but, like, if it were to come back now as, you know, something in the vein of, like, Dead Nation, um, that sort of, like, co-op... Um, where like you could be on your machine at, either at your house or in the same room if we're doing switches um and just sort of have like a little bit more free roaming capability i think like a re-release a remaster of zombies ate my neighbors i think would be cool and like a fun way to do like score attack against each other you know would you want to play it though because that's the thing is that yeah we bought or that game we got that game right with the intention of doing an entire episode around it right and we quickly decided that like oh it's kind of just more of like an arcade it's, it's an experiential game you can't really um you know we're we're hitting kind of the limit of how much more we can say about zombies and my neighbors right um it's a cool game it's got a lot of style but uh yeah i don't like i i could see it seems like a fun if i were able to chat with someone while i was playing it and we were both able to like free roam around the map and like be sort of cooperative but also sort of competitive like i could i could see that being um fun to actually do uh long term sounds like that's not the case for you yeah i i almost felt like in the time that we put into zombies a my neighbors i kind of had my fill of it yeah like i felt like i had ex- i experienced everything that the game had to offer oh here's another thing if it were updated we gotta change those buttons because the buttons, oh my gosh the, the buttons are no good the layout made no sense at all yeah so you have you have a primary weapon and then like a secondary item that mm-hmm. is i guess is sometimes like uh something that help- aids in your escape mm-hmm. and sometimes is a key sometimes it's the aforementioned potion that turns you into a monster right and so there are four face buttons right and two of those face buttons use your weapon or item and the other two toggle toggle them right like one of them toggles the weapon the other toggles the item and i cannot remember which is which it's like why the left button is the shoot button and b the bottom button is the toggle your weapons yeah it, it, and x is use weapon or use item and a is toggle item it feels all sorts of wrong it's super wrong especially like, when you're like frantically yeah. running around and you're trying to like shoot a guy but then you're de- you keep deploying like a clown yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's laughing all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's clearly L and R should be your toggle buttons and then like, you know, Y and B should be your use item use. You know, like it's it's not it's not very well uh thought out in that regard. Um so this game obviously not an effective horror game, but like embraces camp in a way that we're not gonna see in the rest of the games on our list. Right? Yeah. Um uh, with that, let's move into our, our second game here, the GameCube classic, Resident Evil 4. A little save room music for you there. Um, Resident Evil 4, uh, one of the Capcom 5. Um, that actually made it to the GameCube, uh, but then was quickly uh, non-exclusive and came to everything else. Yeah, did, wasn't it announced for the PlayStation 2 before it was even released on the GameCube? That sounds right. I'm pretty if, sure that happened. If we're not right, we'll get that in a debug. Um, but the, So this game came out in 2005. 
Um, Mark, tell me a little bit about Resident Evil 4. About uh, your experience of it. So, uh, I guess I didn't really know what to expect mm-hmm. going into it. Because uh, at, th- at this point, you're probably at like peak Resident Evil fandom, right? Or like go getting there, maybe? Yeah, I would say so. But I also was not following video game news at the time. Mm, okay. And so I knew that there was a Resident Evil, a new Resident Evil game coming out for GameCube because I was working at like a, uh, like a Best Buy type uh, place mm-hmm. at the time. Circuit City. <laughs> no. Uh, <it> Babbage's. <laughs> really more of a GameStop place. <laughs> Um, and it was like, oh, there's like a new Resident Evil game. So I pre-ordered it without really knowing what it was. And Resident Evil 4 is radically different from any other Resident Evil that came before. And I wasn't, uh, I didn't, it was a shock. Yeah. Especially because the opening moments of that game have a like quick time uh. Oh yeah, they do. You're like driving in the car. Yeah. Or in the Okay, so the part I'm thinking of mm. is when you are approaching the village for the first time. Yes. Well, you don't know that, but you're like walking through the woods and then a boulder comes rolling down at you. And you just And you have to like do like one of those quick time events. Press to, A to not die. Yeah, to like jump out of the way. Right. Boy, did that boulder hit me at least twice <laughs> before I realized what was going on. Is this the game that invented quick time events? That can't possibly be true, can it? I don't. I oh my I, gosh, Mark! I don't have a. Mem- what if it did? I don't have a memory of them before this. I. Yeah, and they're certainly not in Resident Evil games before this. It so, might be. There's a like a boss fight, like a one-on-one knife fight later in this game that is all quick time event, which is bad. <laughs> it's a bad fight, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there. This is a brilliant, amazing game that there are moments. Of, of like bat of, I guess what I would call poor design, like yeah. that knife fight. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And like, it's also where the this is gonna sound strange because it's Resident Evil, but it's where the story starts to go off the rails. No, it's so true. Like now we think of Resident Evil, and they've tried to, I guess, walk this back a little bit with Seven, but now we th- we kind of associate Resident Evil with boulder punching, right? With these big like hammy. The moments. Yeah. And the one and two, yeah, they were cheesy, but that but that was a little bit uh thanks to the localization. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't think that was necessarily the intention of the d- creators. Right. And it was just, just how it came out. Or like what they had money for. Yeah, yeah, and then like four was the one where it really to me, to my mind anyways, really leaned into the kind of ridiculousness. Yeah, well, it's also where, like, yeah, I mean, a- absolutely. It's it's also where the series starts to, like, the line between the sort of, like, bio-horror kind of, like, scientifically explained, if totally nonsense, uh, thing to being, like, just a little bit more, um, like, supernatural. Like, I-, I know it's not really supernatural in Resident Evil 4, but, like, the fact that there's, like, a cult around it, um, gives it all an air of uh you know something different or otherworldly in resident evil like three you know one of the characters uh carlos he's like a a, an umbrella commando you know like everything feels very like militaristic in in um the resident evil games you're playing cops right 
Um, and in Resident Evil 4, I guess you are still Leon's Secret Service, right? He's rescuing the president's daughter. Here's the <laughs> level of storytelling that we're doing. Uh, escape from New York level storytelling. Um, I guess that's just the president, not the president's daughter. I apologize for messing up the plot but to I, Escape from New York. But I don't want to hold what Resident Evil became in Resident Evil 5 and 6 yes. against Resident Evil 4. Because yes, it began to tread that line, mm-hmm. but it did not, but the series did not fully like fall over into it. Yes. Until those later entries. And so it's easy to look back now and be like, oh, Resident Evil 4 was the turning point for the series. Mm-hmm. But at the time, what Resident Evil 4 presented was just like a new and interesting take on what had come before. Yeah. And that's, you're right. I'm not being fair to the game itself because of what like it, its turn means to the legacy. But um, the, do you want to talk a little bit about like the actual zombies in the game? Um, because this is where the zombies uh, stop being so like lumbering and. Uh, start like carrying pitchforks and chainsaws and stuff. It's a big, it's a big change mm-hmm. to the way that the mechanics of the of the game work because before you had you know like limited ammo and uh, limited weapons, but the enemies were moving slow pr- for the most part. There were right. exceptions, but for the most part, the enemies are like slowly lumbering towards you, and so it was more about avoiding yeah. the enemies and conserving your ammo for those few times when you really needed it. Whereas Resident Evil 4, uh, it introduced this, like, mechanic where, you know, like, townspeople or whatever, they would do this thing where they would walk slowly and then they'd dash up. Right. You know, a few feet and then they would, like, slow down again or they would dash up and then attack. And, uh, again, it's kind of where the series began its love affair with big guns and, like, gory decapitations. Yeah, well, and even, like... Uh, making that moment of decapitation, like of the gory decapitation, something for you to fear too. Cause like the, so the zombies in this are a little bit different that there's like a parasite or something. It's not virus related like it was in the first couple games. Um, And so there are uh, bad guys where like when you shoot their head off, um, it like it can explode and then like a tentacle thing comes out and then you've got this like spider headed monster man to deal with on top of it, right? From a gameplay mechanic, which is really changes things up because its reach suddenly becomes yes. much further than anything before. Although, so as far as like horror games go, mm-hmm. I don't want, I don't know that anything in Resident Evil 4 tops the initial moment of entering the village and having all of the villagers like swarm you. There's like the guy mm-hmm. with the guys with the chainsaw and the first time you get cat, you get caught by one of those guys, and they cut off your head, and like the game yeah. ends in like a spray of blood, right? Is so effective. Like mm-hmm. that, that first encounter in the village is like just like burned in my memory. There's a uh, there's another sequence from that game that's burned in my memory. I think it's because it's such a like fun and cool execution of like zombie tropes or what we have have become tropes, I guess, in the last twenty years. Um, there's uh, a moment where you and Ashley, the president's daughter, are in a cabin and like you just have to survive just like waves of zombies coming at you. 
and there's like a second floor and at some point you have to abandon the first floor and then they start like putting up ladders and you have to like um you can knock ladders down and like they're still coming in through other windows and up the stairs and um it's i don't know it's so cool and it's got that like you know bunker down mentality for for me like that's right up there with that first the first time you enter the uh the village. I mean, Resident Evil 4 is also where it kind of smooths some of the rougher edges of the Resident Evil series in general. Oh, like them controls? The controls, mm. uh, the way save rooms worked. Like, they still yes. existed, but you didn't, you don't need the spool anymore. No, you don't need the ink ribbon anymore. Yeah. I always sort of like the ink ribbon, just because, like, it, I mean, I like it in, in a way that I think I would hate now, you know, um, that like there's an actual like preciousness to the number of times you can save. I'm a little bit too obsessive now or a little bit too like cautious where you're like, you can save any time. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 exactly. Well, and we've been just, uh, you know, spoiled by the last, again, 20 years of games, just <laughs> like giving you the option to save wherever you want um, and as frequently as you want. Uh, I don't know. Resident Evil 4 is one of the best games of all time. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Um, uh, thoughts on bosses in Resident Evil 4? Not that memorable to me. There are, like, I f- remember them being more annoying than mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, like, there's the uh, Del Lago, the, like, giant fish monster thing, uh, where you're, like, out in a boat on the lake, and you have to, like, harpoon it, and, like, it's a weird fight, right? Um and then there are also like uh El Gigante. They're mm-hmm. like giant um infected creatures. Uh which like Yeah, I don't know. For for me, always in, in Resident Evil games, this is where like I'm gonna be way different from my take on Zombies and My Neighbors. Um, like I almost don't like the enemy variety in a Resident Evil game. I just want zombies. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's something so pure about that threat that like I don't want it to change. And even though they changed up the control scheme a little bit to make it more actiony in Resident Evil 4. Mm-hmm. Uh, the action in these games never really lends itself to big boss battles. Yeah, that's Especially, a good point. like, bosses that are, like, the size of an entire room. Mm-hmm. You know, it, they really excel in kind of that, like, one-on-one you versus a zombie or you versus a horde of zombies yeah. versus uh, you against one big, like, uh, enemy that will soak up all of your, you know, like damage. Yeah, it's it's hard to play the same like damage or uh, um the same resource management game against a damage sponge. You know, um it because th- that's something they're like, well, I just got to shoot it as many. Times. <laughs> I just got to just got to keep shooting it. Yeah, you just keep shooting it, and oh, I hope that I have enough ammo. Yeah. Um. And then, so I always get a little bit fuzzy towards the end of the game, because I, I think I've only beaten it, like, one or, or, or two times. Oh, actually, no, this is a better question. This is what I wanted to do. Um, did you play it on uh, both GameCube and when it was re-released on Wii? Yes. Um, and which do you prefer? Wii, hands down. Really? And so I, the, the pointer controls are... Yeah, uh, and I know that a lot of people enjoy the challenge of that using the GameCube cube controller to aim Mm -hmm. brings and they feel it's a little too easy that you can like headshot too easily using the Wii's pointer controls and that is probably true but it does not negatively affect my experience with the game in the slightest right i think the Wii version is like the definitive version thus far and as previously discussed headshotting uh an enemy is not necessarily going to do you favors right yeah it it may turn into a worse (laughs) enemy (laughs) 
Um, all right, cool. Uh, are we done talking about Resident Evil 4? Anything else? Are we going to move on from this game that we both love? Let's move on from this game that we both love. All right, moving on from the game we both love to a game that we are maybe a little bit confused by. It is Zombie U for the Wii U. Zombie U, developed by Ubisoft and released in 2012, um, was a launch game for the uh, Wii U, or and launch I, window. I think it was a launch game. I think it was day one. Uh, and I would say that it has launch game-itis, mm. where they... Explain that to me. Is that the virus that turned them into zombies? <laughs> you saw the same sort of thing with the uh, PlayStation 3 6 6 axis controller Mm -hmm. where with the vita and with the vita and you know you saw with like the ds when it first came out where developers kind of shoehorn in that new feature Mm -hmm. in order to as like a selling point so you know there were launch ps3 games where you were you would your character would throw a boomerang and then you had to use the six axis to like get it to its destination and they always blew yeah. They were terrible. Yeah, there's the first Uncharted game has uh, you have to throw grenades by like tilting the, the yeah, six garbage. Axis. Who wants no nobody good. wants that. No good. Uh so Zombie U mm-hmm. it it heavily features the asymmetrical gameplay promised by the Wii U and the Wii U's gamepad. But it's asymmetrical gameplay for a single person. Yes. <laughs> so like. Oh yeah. So I guess like asymmetrical in the sense that you are always constantly being prompted on your television to right, look to at look your down. right uh, gamepad, and it is not fun. It's very fussy. It's a very fussy game. Yeah. So this is something that we were talking about while playing over the weekend. Um, that the game turns everything that should be a simple button press into like a fussy little thing that you have to do on the gamepad. So instead of being like, are you going to pick up this thing and put it in your inventory, which would normally be you push a button, it's done. You have to go to the gamepad, see the thing on the gamepad, touch it, drag it into your inventory, and then let go. The game makes a big deal of like you can board up doors and remove boards from doors. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, you press a button and then the game prompts you to look at your gamepad, and you have to tap repeatedly on like a little bar that represents the board that you're pulling off or nailing on, and you have to like fill up a gauge. It's completely ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous, and I hate that it's the same mechanic for nailing as pulling off, that like either way you're just tapping it. <laughs> like I get tapping it if you're nailing the plank up. That's like at least mildly immersive, but like for the opposite to be the same thing that like you're tapping the nails out of the boards. I don't know what's going on there. The big, uh, and really the reason why this is a problem is because you're just always bouncing back and forth from the television to the game pad, to the television mm-hmm. and the game pad. And it's never fun. There's never a moment where I'm like, I'm glad I have to do this on the gamepad. Yeah. Well, and if if the idea is to like, have you performing the actions that like the characters performing in the game, it doesn't, it's immersion breaking, right? Like any any spell that you let the game cast on you is broken immediately when you see text that says now look down at the tablet in front of you. Right. Or you're like, what am I supposed to be doing? You have to like hold up the gamepad and 
look all around the room. Yeah, to scan stuff. Yeah. So, okay, speaking of what are we supposed to be doing, the conceit of this game is that there's a zombie outbreak in London. Uh, You spend a lot of the game underground in, like, uh, tube tunnels. Um, And uh, the the game is a roguelike, right? So you are, um, every time you die, that character is dead forever. And, you know, you get a, a new character with a new name, a new face. Uh, sometimes it changes gender or race or whatever. Um, and you can go and find your stuff from the last version of you, which is, of course, turned into a zombie. Um, so, like, that mechanic, we sort of like. I right? thought that was really cool. It's cool. Um, and it's fun to, you know, take a, a cricket back to the former version of you. <laughs> That's it's fun in theory. You were right. I did not actually love... Uh, the, the, vis- the visceralness of the melee attacks and the repetitive nature of the melee attacks. Right. So this is where we move a little bit into the uh, like total loss of camp, right? This game seems so self-serious. So deadly serious. Yeah. It's uh, like no fun. Yeah. No daylight in this game. Right. This This game declares no fun to be had here. Um, it's, and I, it's, I, it's a victim of poor timing, I think. Mm, go on. And just misreading the market mm-hmm. because, uh, so this game was, a uh, originally announced as, I can't remember, like something alien attack from outer space or, oh, yeah. you know, like a title that's almost in the vein of zombies ate my neighbors. Absolutely. It was, yeah. it had like a cartoony aesthetic and, uh, and then you know, we didn't hear anything about it. And when it was re-revealed, it was clearly just everything that had come before was completely discarded. And it was this dark, somber, you know, like survival, core survival horror game. And I think... Whatever that means. Yeah, core, yeah. Yeah. And I think what happened was, you know, like by the time the we died, one of the, you know, there were all these people who owned a Wii, but one of the big complaints with it was that there was no you know, like, big budget game for, again, whatever this means, like, hardcore gamers, right? Right. Like, that was an experience that the Wii audience was lacking but wanted. So I think Ubisoft was like, oh, there's a market that we can fill on the Wii U. And so reinvented their game to be this, like, somber, gray, bloody experience that uh it turned out not very many people wanted yeah. on uh a nintendo console um the f- for the record uh it was originally meant to be a spin-off of the raving rabbits franchise and the original name for the game was killer freaks from outer space there we go um and uh early in the game you do see a poster for like a movie called killer freaks from outer space so like it's at the very least aware of its like kind of cheekier origins, but like isn't that at all? Um, yeah, I don't know. I wanted to. I I hadn't played this game before, like picking it up for this show. Which, by the way, you can get a copy of this game for five dollars at GameStop if you still have your Wii U. Um, but like, it is really um absent fun. Um, it is in a lot of cases absent clarity. Um. There were a lot, you know, Mark and I aren't dumb and we were playing this game together and we were still just like running up against like walls and not really knowing like where to go or what to do. Um, 
And then all that's punctuated, like you said, with some like with like too much gore to like have fun with it. And I also think that at the end of the day, even though it did have launch titleitis, and you know there were a lot, they were really trying to push the gamepad into the game. I think it's just a good example of where the Wii's main feature, which is that gamepad, mm-hmm. never really worked out in a way that I think Nintendo saw it working because i mean nintendo itself abandoned this idea of using the gamepad in interesting ways fairly quickly yeah i mean except for where it didn't in things like Star Fox zero where like it's just bad yeah you know yeah there are so many or i don't even know how to like there are so many like wii u titles that use the gamepad in ways that feel like they were forced to do it yeah because the the you know like Mario Kart Eight, it's I guess there's a you can either just mirror the screen. Uh huh. Is there a map on there? It can be a map, and then it's a horn. Right. <laughs> you know. I love the horn. I love having a giant horn in the middle <laughs> of my controller. That's funny. If if uh, <laughs> if, if, we, if we were playing Zombie U and the screen was just <laughs> a giant horn, I would love it. And every time you played it, does the cucaracha. <laughs> <laughs> But really, if Zombie U had just been a map on the gamepad, yeah, that would have been, been better. so much better. Because then we at least would have known where we were going. So I didn't research this at all, but I do know that the game has been re-released on uh, like other modern platforms. Uh, obviously, without the second screen capability, I wonder if it fares any better. It must, right? Um, but if, then by that uh, token, like it's going to be just like an uglier version of uh, the game that it could be or should be i don't know i mean be, beyond the mechanic of um like restarting as as a new person each time i'm not really sure that this game offers much like new or compelling anyway yeah i agree i think it was a designed as like an alternative to games that were not coming to nintendo's platform an alternative to games that don't exist <laughs> well you know like very good very good ubisoft <laughs> i mean you know i think it was like oh uh you aren't getting I don't even know because this game isn't like a Resident Evil game. Yeah. You know, it's first person, which took some getting used to Mm -hmm. because it doesn't control super well. It doesn't. I don't know. This game is a real mixed bag. We didn't really end up liking it all that much, Uh, but I guess I admire the ambition behind it. I think it was just misguided. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we also didn't put it really enough time in to know like if the story goes anywhere, but like. I don't know that it's kind of just like a generic. There's like uh, uh, a a dude that is watching you and like giving you instructions. So there's like a little bit of mystery around like who is this guy? What? Why is he like selecting people to like survive this zombie thing? Well, and as much as we like the that like roguelike element of it, where you are a new person every time. Poppy the typist. She oh, yeah. was she was a real winner. Poppy the typist. We took her far. We took Poppy far. <laughs> but. Uh, that kind of takes away any chance for there to be conti- like a broader continuing narrative. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, because- which is obviously something that we like from Resident Evil, right? Um, yeah, it, it's almost like there's too much inserting yourself. So like, I, I guess I'm going back on what I was saying before about wanting it to be a participatory narrative. Uh, I guess I do, but only to a point. Well, it's different when it's like Resident Evil mm. where there's a little bit of that, uh, I don't know, like, hero wish fulfillment yes you know for sure 
yeah, you're, that, you're awesome fantasy. in Resident Evil. Right. In this game, you're dying over and over again. <laughs> and the characters stay dead. Yeah, that's a bummer. I, and when you encounter yourself again, so when we encounter Poppy, poor Poppy, we bash her head in with a uh, cricket, bat. cricket yeah. bat. Poor Poppy the typist. <laughs> All right, Mark, uh, let's stop talking about Zombie U. Bad Mike. But obviously, those aren't all the zombie games that came out on uh, Nintendo platforms. If you have a favorite zombie game that we did not mention... Or were completely misguided about Zombie U. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you, if you want to educate us and say, no, 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 that game's great, that's fine, I guess. Um, you can get us on Twitter. We're at Nincart Society. Uh, our Facebook page is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. And you can email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Um, we, yeah, we would love to hear any of that from y'all. Um, that's going to do it for this episode of the show. If you could please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Nope. Apple podcasts. We don't call it iTunes anymore. <laughs> it's Apple podcasts. Um, that would be wonderful. If you like Mark and Mind's opinions, we write about comic books on retconpunch.com. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our music is provided by Ape at Betty. If you want more of his music, you can go to apeatbetty.com or you can listen right now. <laughs> For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thanks for listening. What's a creative podcast network?